of Matthew in the fifth chapter. We're picking up in the tenth verse at the end of Jesus' message to the crowds. These are the Beatitudes. As we pick up in the tenth verse, we hear these words. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its taste, how can its saltness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under a bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. And do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. Now we've been journeying over the last several weeks through Scripture, which has led up to today. So we began in the Old Testament with the creation story in the Pentateuch in which God begins to create the world. And in His creation, He says, it is good. We hear and witness the fall of humankind through Adam and Eve. But we also see of God's mercy, His forgiveness. We then shifted into the historical books in which we also then begin to see how for the people of Israel... They struggle between the world and God, going back and forth. But in all of those moments, God shows forgiveness, love, and mercy. A testament to our own lives. When we ourselves begin to pull away from God, a life centered on Christ, and wonder, will God accept me back? Will God look at me and give me forgiveness? We can start in the Old Testament and begin to see how God does that for his people. And then we shifted it into the wisdom literature, which we begin to see the beauty of God as he guides our lives, as he reminds us through Proverbs, through Psalms and the other wisdom literature writings, that we are guided in our decision makings, guided in our lives, but also reminded there is suffering that we will encounter. But yet God shows us the way to live in all of that. And then we hear from the prophets, those that God had tapped on the shoulders and said, you shall be my voice in the wilderness. You shall be my voice to my people to share my message when they refuse to listen. When they miss the signs that I have placed before them, you shall be my voice. We heard from the prophet Isaiah and the prophet Jeremiah. But we also hear how God even taps those outside his circle 
to share his message of redemption, of hope, and of love with the world. We see a God in the Old Testament, not a God of wrath or of vengefulness, but a God of love and of mercy. Over and over, his people fall away. And over and over, God redeems them. But we also, when you begin to spend time in the Old Testament, hear of the coming of the Messiah, the one and true way that God will redeem all his children. We hear of the foreshadowing of Jesus Christ, the one that will be sent by God into the world. And so today we begin the New Testament. We begin in the Gospels. The word gospel in and of itself translates to good news. These are the books of the good news. The good news that came to you is going out to all the world and changing lives everywhere, we read. It is this message in these four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which transforms the lives of all of God's children. And it starts with you and with me. Now, a little bit about the gospel writings themselves. Now, some of you may know this, and maybe some don't. So, who can tell me which of the four books comes first? And if you need help, there's Bibles in your pews. You can open up to the New Testament and look. But who knows which one comes first? Do you know, Neil? Matt, you got four. I mean, this is what I told the last one. You got a 25% chance of getting it right. There's, there's Matthew. He says Matthew. Okay. Anyone else want to take a guess? Alicia, do you know? You say Matthew comes first as well. Okay. Any other guesses? There's three other choices. Mark, Luke, and John. Do you know? Yes, I'm pointing right to you. Me? Yes, you. I'm just going to take a stab and say Luke just to be different. Okay, she's going to be different. She's going to be the rebel of the church. All right, she's going with Luke. Anyone else want to guess one of the other two books? Do we have anyone for Mark today? No one wants to choose Mark. How about John? All silence. All right, that's good. Well, if you open your Bibles, you will notice that Matthew, then Mark, then Luke, and then John. It's a very trick question because the answer is none of them. <laughs> it's actually the first writing is not in the gospel accounts. It's not in the canonical scriptures. The first actual what we believe to be the first writing of the gospels. Are you ready for this? Is the gospel of Q. How many of you heard of the gospel of Q? Good. My education in seminary paid for something. Amen. <laughs> I will tell my professors this. They will love me for it. All right, so here you go. You're going to learn a little something today. The Gospel of Q, which is not found in the Scripture writings, but is in the Scripture writings. You have all read, if you've read the Gospel accounts, read the Gospel of Q. So we have to back up a little bit to antiquity. So in the early days, when people wanted to tell stories, they did not write it down. What they did is they would come and they would sit And then others would gather around the foot of the teacher and they would tell the stories. It was an oral tradition society. Stories were passed on from one person to the next via teachings. Now, granted, 
we all know the telephone game, right? So if I came down and whispered something to Neil and told Neil a story, and then Neil told a man and it went around the room, by the time it got back to me, it would be completely different. Like I'd go to Neil and say, okay, Neil, uh, tomorrow is Memorial Day and it's a great day to barbecue. By the time it got back to me, it would be tomorrow is a great day for frogs and snails. I don't know how that works, but it just does. It changes completely. That's how it works, doesn't it? The difference is in antiquity, in that time when Jesus was alive, and even after his passing, the story would have remained the same. Because it was much more powerful for them. Because that was the only modes of communication they had. But then someone decided one day to write down the sayings that Jesus spoke. Not the history, not the stories, but just the sayings. And this is where the Gospel of Q, which is not just the letter Q, but it's Q-U, I don't know the rest of the spelling, Q-U-E-U-E, something like that. And basically, in the Greek, it would translate to the Gospel of Sayings. This was a book that theologians believe does exist. We've never truly found it, but they believe it exists because of the, the way the four Gospels connect to one another. Now, it was a trick question, but it wasn't. The actual writing that we believe to be first is the Gospel of Mark, not the Gospel of Matthew. It is believed the Gospel of Mark does come first, very shortly after the crucifixion story, within the first couple of years. The exact time is not known, but we believe in the maybe 10 to 12 years after that point. Then shortly thereafter, the Gospel of Luke and the Gospel of Matthew show up on the scene very close to each other. Most theologians believe Matthew came before Luke. And then finally, probably approximately 50 years after the crucifixion, the Gospel of John shows up on the scene. Now, these four Gospel accounts all tell the story of Jesus. It is believed that the Gospel of Mark, Matthew, and Luke are very well connected. When you read those three gospel accounts, you hear very similar stories, very similar approaches to the message. They all uh, do serve a different purpose. Now, the gospel of Mark is believed to be written to the Jewish community shortly after their first attempt at a revolt, which was a complete failure. They wanted to rise up against the Roman world, and they lost. They were defeated. They were broken. It is believed that the gospel of Mark was written to those individuals. The Gospel of Matthew, which again pulls from this Gospel of Q, but also pulls from the Gospel of Mark itself, was written to the community who was struggling between what they wanted to do for themselves and what the Pharisees were teaching them. In other words, they wanted to follow Jesus, but the Pharisees were telling them something different. So there was a struggle with them. And then later we get the, the Gospel of you, Luke, which was written to a completely different audience. It was written to the Gentiles of the day, not to the Jewish community. But yet it used the same structure, the same format as the Gospel of Matthew. And then finally we settle on the Gospel of John. Now if you've studied these four Gospels ever before, you will notice the Gospel of John is completely unique and different than the other three Gospels. The way it approaches the stories of Jesus, some of the stories aren't even in the Gospel of John. For example, Jesus going for the Last Supper. The approach of that is different. In fact, the Gospel of John has Jesus washing feet. But it's written because in the Gospel of John, it looks at interpreting and trying to understand 
the symbolic way in which Jesus is in our lives. It can be a very powerful book. Powerful reading. I had a seminary professor, a New Testament seminary professor. Her doctorate degree was only on the Gospel of John. For five and a half years, she studied this one book and wrote her dissertation on just the Gospel of John. But all four Gospels, in and of themselves, bring together an important story for our lives. And that is the truth that resides in Jesus Christ. It is the hope that is found in Jesus. The hope for you, for me, for the world that exists out there. You heard this morning of the stories, the parables. In fact, you heard parts of three parables. You heard of the Beatitudes. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteous sake, for their kingdom is of heaven. Those who are persecuted, Jesus says, shall be blessed. Those who revile and persecute you, wow, bless them as well. Bless them as well. Rejoice, he tells the people, and be glad for your reward is in heaven, not in here. He then shifts and he talks about the salt of the earth. He tells this parable and he says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its taste, how can saltness be restored? And then he shifts and he says, And oh, by the way, you are the light of the world. You are a city built on a hill which cannot be hidden. All reminding us that you have the light of God within you. God who created you. You have that power to be transformative of the world. All of this comes from Jesus. All of this is found in the gospel messages. The Gospel of John, which opens up completely different. It says, I in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Translated, Jesus was in the beginning. When you were formed in God's heart and image, you were there with Jesus at the very, very beginning of time. Jesus was with God, and Jesus is God. And all things go through Jesus. The light, in verse 5 of the first chapter of John says, the light shines in the darkness, and here's the good word, the darkness does not overcome it. Hope is found here in these gospel messages, these four powerful and amazing books. God so loved the world, you know this verse, that he gave his only begotten son, so that... Everyone who believes in him may not perish, but have eternal life. God's promise to you, the fulfillment which he promised at the beginning with Moses through the Old Testament and to this point says that when you believe in me, you shall have eternal life. That I sent my son into the world for you. Born in a dark, dingy, cold place for you. That I came into the world because of you. To show you the way home. And we listen and we hear and we read of Jesus' ministry through the parables in which he teaches us. The Gospel of Matthew tells us 
in the 13th chapter. Because the disciples look to Jesus and say, why do you tell us these parables? And he says, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. But to some it has not. But yet through these stories and through these parables, you shall know God. You shall hear the voice. Isaiah the prophet had said, you will indeed listen but never understand. You will indeed look but never perceive. But through Jesus' message, Isaiah says, you shall know the God of heaven. Through all of this, we begin to understand who God is for us in our lives. We begin to find comfort when it seems like all is lost. We begin to find the reminder that there is joy for us in our lives. Even when it seems like the world and evil is taking it all away. And we know this to be true because of the cross. Because God sent his son to suffer to be broken and beaten for us and to go to a cross and be nailed for you and me and never once stopping on the way, never once giving up, never once saying, this is too much. They don't need hope anymore. But he doesn't. He goes and he suffers and he dies on that cross for us so that we would always have hope and we find this in the gospel messages. And then, oh, God shows us victory on the other side of that cross, on the other side of death, pain, suffering. Because we see Mary running to the tomb and then proclaiming the good news to the disciples when she returns finds them hiding. And she says, He is risen. He is alive. And death, death has lost. And so we ask ourselves, how do we live this out in the world? How do we go and do we share this good news? Because the truth is, as Jesus tells us, as we heard in the Matthew, we cannot hide this light under a bushel. We must be that light in the world. We must go and share. That is God's commandment to us. Now I know, and I have heard it over the years, individuals say, but I am not comfortable. I am not comfortable preaching to others about Jesus. It's just hard to share that. Because they're going to get angry or they might run away or I'm just not there. So what do I do? And I say, do you love? Will you greet with kindness? Will you step out in faith and serve others? I've shared with students many times over the years. Will you go and feed the homeless, clothed, the naked, visit the sick. And if the answer is yes, then you are sharing the gospel message. You are sharing that hope with the world because we must not keep it locked away. There's a story that I read not too long ago about a violinist 
And he had earned his fortune playing concerts, writing music. But every time he earned money, he gave it away. Until one day he learned of this very famous and very rare violin that was going to be for sale. And so he made the choice to stop sharing his wealth with the world. So that one day he could buy this violin for himself. When he saved enough money, he went to purchase that violin. Only to find out that the violin had been sold. He searched out the new owner and went to the new owner and said, Sir, I have enough money to give you for what you paid for this violin. Would you sell it to me? The new owner said, No, it's a rare item. I will not give it away. The composer said, Well, I'll give you double for what you paid. The owner said, No, I will not sell it. The composer, with his head down, turned and went to leave. The new owner saw this and said, wait a minute, I have an idea. Would you play, play a piece on it for me? Because I don't know how to play music. The violinist perked up and said, absolutely. And he went and he played a piece that brought tears to the new owner's heart and eyes. He gracefully thanked the new owner for allowing him to play on this very rare Exquisite violin. And as he went to leave, the new owner stopped him once again and said, Sir, stop. I cannot in good heart keep this precious gift for myself. So I ask of one thing for you. I will give you the violin. But you must agree to play for the world. This rarity cannot be locked up. It cannot be hidden. And he went and he played for the world on that rare violin. And the same must be true of the gospel message. That this good news that we know, this good news that we hold in our hearts that can give us comfort when we are broken, that can remind us that there is always joy and hope in the world even when it seems that all is lost. We must be the group that shares that with the world. We must be that friendly face to the lost soul. We must step out in faith and to serve the broken and the needy. Even when we don't know what to do, even when we don't know what to say, we must go out in faith into the world and tell the world that there is always hope found in Jesus Christ, that there is always love found. In that cross, which seems to be used for pain and suffering, yet through that, there is joy. And I say to you, if you don't know what else to say, if you know no other words to say, just go and do. Because when we serve God first, the truth is, we don't need words. We don't need words to share that message. Thank you.